What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Logos Podcast. This is Max. This is Joey. And on today's episode, we have a special guest with us. We have a great topic and an even less fascinating and interesting priest, Father Brett Brandon. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having, uh, for taking the time to be with us. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about exorcisms and witchcraft, which is scary. Yeah. But also fascinating, but also needs to be fleshed out. We need to, clar- we need about to clarify, we need some things. clarify some things. Hollywood's not the only teacher around here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> or TikTok or Instagram or MySpace or whatever. Unless it's our TikTok, then you can go. Then, you, then, it, then it yeah. is the teacher always, okay? Um, yeah. But <laughs> Father Brett, if you don't mind introducing yourself to our to our listeners and uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who sure. are you? Father Brett Brandon. I'm a priest of Savannah, Georgia and uh, priest 31 years and I'm here, the spiritual director now here at the uh, or here at the seminary, yeah. And uh, so it's a, a great honor to be with you today. I've also been uh, my diocesan exorcist for about the last seven years. Yeah, awesome. So. Yeah, so we've had we've had you on before to Logos Podcast, so our listeners yeah. can go and listen to that episode. I believe it was about vocations and the diocesan priesthood in right, particular. Right, so you we came on, yeah. right. and we had a we had a great conversation about that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming back on today. I think we're going to have a uh, a good conversation about a pretty relevant topic. Um, yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why we were drawn into the episode um, about that. But yeah, I think Father Brett is is qualified uh, for the subject. Um, he's been a priest for many years. I mean, how long have you been a priest, Father? Now thirty one. Thirty one years. Thirty one years. Uh, an exorcist, as he said, for seven, seven eight, eight years. Um, uh, and so he's also a great man. We we like him. One of the other reasons we brought him on is because he has a great personality, and we know we can talk to him about anything. He's a man's man, Father. And uh, you know we enjoy your presence and, and having you here. You're recent to the seminary. Uh, he, you know that we're at that we're a part of. But uh, but thank you, thank you for all. And and he is a Southern man. <laughs> Which is great to have, you know, yes. two southern two th- southern representatives here. Joey, sure. how does it feel? Tell hey, man, it. for all they know, I could be from the South. No, you're not from the South, <laughs> okay. All right, you're not from the South. Um, so, wait, before we go on, oh, we got to do, our, we thing. Go. Okay, we gotta do, do our, our thing. We got to do our thing. So, um, follow us on social media. Yeah. Uh, we have TikTok, TikTok, we have Instagram, Instagram. we have uh, our own website. Yeah, we do. We're on YouTube now, YouTube. so this is filmed. Yeah, Spotify, um, Apple. Spotify, Apple, all the podcast yeah. platforms. Also, we have a Patreon page. So we have a new a couple people to shout out, new patrons, Julia Rollwing and Blake Gallegos. That's right. So thank you shout for out. your support. Shout we out really support. appreciate it. You can go to, if you're listening and you like Logos Podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Logos Podcast. And you can become a monthly donor, five bucks, 10 bucks, your own amount, whatever, 50, a hundred bucks if you want. 500 I mean, bucks. Whatever, whatever <laughs> you feel comfortable donating to the Logos cause, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, we're praying for all of our listeners, but yeah, do all the stuff, like, share, subscribe to our stuff and, uh, and then we can keep bringing you more stuff. So um, now that we've gotten that out of the way. Let's talk about it. So Let's talk about so why did we want to talk about it? Why was it relevant? So like, you know, Joey and I kind of, the way we kind of organize these episodes is we discuss what's something relevant, what's something kind of pertinent to us now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we decided on this topic. Why did we decide on it, Joey? Like, what were kind of some of the big, the big... Well, part of it came out of a conversation I think you two had, um, but certainly, I mean, we're approaching Halloween right now. Um, maybe by the time this episode is released, mm-hmm. Halloween will have taken place. But, sure. um, and then we just see it like, uh, we've been noticing you and I, more stuff coming up in the, like on Netflix and social mm-hmm. media, just kind of fascination with, um, yeah, the kind of dark spiritual powers that are at work in the world. Right. Um, and we just kind of wanted to talk about that because that 
that that's significant. Yeah, um, and there's even like people like uh, Tom Brady's wife. You know, I mean, Tom Brady's known, and, and you know, she's called a, a white a white witch, and and all this stuff, and it's it's seen as a kind of a pure form of, of witchcraft. But then there's just also kind of fascination with like Hollywood. Uh, dark films and movies and exorcisms and there's been a fascination with the occult for a long time um, sure. right it's not a new thing right and yeah. so you know pope benedict says that yeah. as 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 religion as faith decreases superstition increases huh. and as we see people leaving the church in the practice of of catholic church or any christianity yeah. we see uh darkness rising and becoming mm. much more overt yeah you know so like we talk about the word cult means literally public worship. So in the Catholic Church, cult is our holy mass. That's what we do every Sunday. Uh, that that word has kind of come to mean something bad, but it, and originally it just means public worship. Mm. And a cult is hidden worship because it's shameful. It's something that should be in the darkness. It shouldn't be done at all. Mm. But what's happening now is the occult is becoming the cult. As um, darkness is reigning, they're becoming much more overt that I can mm. worship Satan, I can be a witch, and yeah. this is okay in the name of freedom of religion. But it's very, very dangerous. It's it's interesting you say that, you bring up that Pope Benedict quote, because I would imagine that a lot of people flee from faith, flee from Christianity, flee from religion because they think it's superstitious or because they- Irrational. Irrational. Rude. But then what do they end up finding themselves involved in a lot of times is these other forms of like truly- you know, problematic, but superstition and like, yeah. you know, we've talked about before, man is a religious being, yeah. right? And so if he's, if you're going to flee from Christianity, you're going to end up worshiping something. You're going to end up giving expression to this religious desire somehow. And we, like you said, father, we see that now, um, in our yeah. culture with some of this demonic, what do you, what do you see broadly speaking in our culture? Like about with just even know, looking at, just looking yeah. at television shows, you just, you know, channel change and you see, you know, um, movies or, or series about Satan, about witches, about vampires. Uh, just something like uh, when you look at, like, I noticed the Harry Potter series and movies through the years, you know, my, my nieces and nephews mm-hmm. would be looking at them. Yeah. But I noticed that every successive one was darker than the one before. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. A lot yeah. more dark scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, as if this is good. You know, yeah. magic and witchcraft. I think you have to understand that there's, you know, there's supernatural power which comes from God, and there's preternatural outside the nature of a human, yeah. and that is uh, from the angels. That God is power. God has given to angels, whether they be fallen angels or or good angels. And so, uh, you know, witchcraft. I think this is the big lure of Satan is that he goes, oh, you're going to be a white witch. Just come to me and you can p- make spells to make these people fall in love or to bring this goodness to people. Mm. We have to remember that just as God will allow evil in order to bring a greater good, Satan will sometimes allow good in order to bring a greater evil. Mm. Holy so, so he allows little things and he uses you know preternatural power to maybe answer these little spells until the person is so immersed and then they realize this is pure evil. Yeah. And it's, um, I think, yeah, I think that that's a good point too. It's like people have become insensitive to the fact that there are other forces at play, um, in the way that we do. And also like the popularity of, of things like, uh, you know, Ouija boards. Um, I don't know if that's still a fad, but I remember when we were in high school or even in college, that was a big thing. I've seen a Ouija board. Yeah. 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 So like, and, and so like, you know, these things aren't, uh, 
Yeah, they're not new, and, and they're taken as just games. They're taken as just another TV show. They're taken as just another movie. And while it's true that like movies in themselves aren't bad, or or maybe like Harry Potter in itself isn't bad, maybe, but like the things that they're manifesting and they're playing with yes. can become very kind of dangerous territories very quickly. Oh yeah, and that's the kind of thing that's it's desensitizing us to the to the danger right. of evil and the real the reality of demo- of the demonic. Okay, so this is a good point to transition. Um, we want to kind of the first part of this episode talk about exorcisms in particular because that's i mean that's a fad in movies too people are fascinated with exorcisms and stuff like that you you are an exorcist and you're willing to share with that some of your experiences which is great um but maybe more broadly speaking we started talking about angels and demons could you summarize for us if like what does the catholic church like what do we what are angels and demons are they real what does the church teach about them how do we understand them and their activity in the world we say every Sunday in our creed, you know, that God is the creator of all things visible and invisible. And there are definitely uh, spiritual realities. And an angel or a demon, a fallen angel, is a pure spirit. So they're made in the image and likeness of God They for truth and goodness and love, right? But they don't have a body. They never did, and they don't want one. That's not what they are, <laughs> okay? But uh, God made them first before us. And the first fall, of course, was the the um, the devil and his angels that that disobeyed mm. God. So that was the the first sin, if you want to say, the first disobedience to God. Yeah, angels are pure spirits, which means they live forever, uh, which means they know a lot. <laughs> they have a superhuman intelligence. Yeah, and we have to understand the uh, the angelic nature and what an angel can do as an exorcist, because the first thing we have to learn to do as an exorcist is not to be impressed. When you see preternatural things, so I always give hmm. the example of can of a can of uh, of, uh, of of peaches or dog food, and I ask you to open it. You just take your finger and your thumb, and you pop the cap and pull it right off. Now, if your dog was watching, your dog would go, "Wow." <laughs> How did wait, you wait, do that? Wait, wait, wait. Your dog speaks English? No, your dog. <laughs> okay. A dog doesn't have a soul, and, and, and it's not, we understand. But my point is that a dog does yeah. not have, you, you and I are like, big deal. We all have a, a hand and we have an opposable thumb. That's yeah. normal for a human person. Okay. In a, in a similar way, we have to understand what an angel is capable of. Yeah. So that during yeah. the rite of exorcism, if we see, you know, the person stick their tongue out, you know, two feet or what other preternatural sign, you know, the four signs that we always look for in, in a real extra, uh, you know, a true possession is going to be superhuman strength. And there's no, not, mm. they're not all four always present, but mm. often they are. Superhuman strength. Uh, knowledge of secrets, there's no way they could know. Knowledge of languages they've never studied. Mm. And, uh, and then the fourth one is aversion to the sacred. I mean, we're literally just praying. And that you would think that we're pouring boiling hot oil on the person. Uh, we're just giving them holy things. We're anointing yeah. them. We're praying over them. And and uh, but their aversion to holiness is so is so strong. And so, so these are the ways, like we would say, maybe like like a. So you talked to some about an angel, kind of some of the so some of the ways an angel acts. But like like the demon would manifest itself in these other four ways, oftentimes, because right. knowing the distinction between like supernatural and preternatural. Thing. So when we talk about angels and demons, we're talking about angels and demons within the context of how they manifest themselves. And to keep aware of like when the church is speaking about angels and demons is to know that they actually do possess powers that are beyond 
right? The natural. And so yeah. that's Augustine in one said way. an archangel is like the power of a universe. But for the will of God, they would, you know, St. Augustine said every, if, if God released Satan completely, there would not be a living man, woman, or child in the, in the world in two minutes. Hmm. That is the power of an archangel. And so, uh, the, you know, the first, the first quality required of an exorcist is great humility and knowing you're nothing and Jesus is everything. Yeah. They will chew you up and spit you out in, mm. a, in a minute. And so the question becomes, we're talking about them implying that they're real. So, Father, I guess like that's it. Like, are, like, are they real? Like, that's it. Like, are they real? I think that's a lot of, to a lot of our listeners, maybe they don't, maybe they have like an idea of what like angels and demons would be. But like, like the, the thing is here is like, are they real, right? Yes. Angels are very real. Yeah. And the scriptures and, and the church teaches that in every way, right? The constant teaching of the church. Uh, is that angels exist and that, that good angels worship God, they give him glory and they serve him. The word angel means messengers right. because they're often sent to us, yeah. right, yeah. Uh, to bring messages. But angels uh, also were given to us to protect us. And we have the Feast of the Guardian Angels every year. We learn that prayer as children, angel of God, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, and so a lot of times, you know, uh, one of the occupational hazards of being an exorcist is you sometimes say, you know, I think I might talk to demons more than I talk to angels. This is not good. You know, <laughs> I need to, you know, thank God and yeah. talk to my guardian angel right, and exactly. tell him I love him and exactly. thank yeah, him yeah. for what he does for me. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. everything the devil does is just 100% counterfeit. He has no imagination. It's always mm. the, just counterfeit what God has done. So, for example, what is the great miracle that God does in baptism? Well, he puts uh, sanctifying grace inside of a human. What does that mean? That means God comes and possesses us, Father, mm. Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So um, I remember my bishop once asked me, after about a year of this, he said, what's the, be what's the best thing you've learned or, or been most surprised about in your study of the rite of exorcism? And I said, Bishop, I've never been so excited about sanctifying grace. Wow. <laughs> I'm nice. so excited that God lives inside of me because yeah. I've seen the counterfeit. Yeah. Where the devil, and, and then, you know, for give you another example, um, the hour of mercy in the Catholic Church is from 12 to 3. The, yeah. the hours our Lord Jesus died on the cross, and right? When, well, then what are the hours of the devil from 12 midnight to 3 a.m.? Oh my That's gosh. when he always acts. Mm. And so when I have oh nightmares that are demonic nightmares or being attacked, usually as a reprisal after an exorcism, it's always between 12 and 3, you mm. see. And so um, these are the kinds of things, even to the point of um, Catholics use the sacramentals. Here's a rosary. Mm -hmm. We have holy water. We have, well, in, in the demonic world, they use amulets or talisman. They have little coins. Or crystals even, right? Little crystals, all these things oh, wow. that are very dangerous. And so one of the first things we have to do if a person is seeking exorcisms, we have to find out, are they using demonic sacramentals? Mm -hmm. And if they are, they got to get rid of them first to show clearly that they intend. And this and this includes, um, I, you know, I've heard stories before, Father, of like people with like certain statues that they think is are, are kind of evil or maybe possessed statues or maybe they think their dog is possessed or maybe they think, you know, we made the, the joke earlier of like the golf clubs are possessed when somebody isn't playing good, you know? And then Father, Father Brad made the joke. He's like, well, mine already in hell. So there you go. <laughs> uh, because, you know, he likes to think he's not a good golfer. But the, the thing is like, there are these, there are these conceptions like people think all kinds of things are possessed because 
because they think it's you know they're, they're whatever and but like to say it to to completely say okay everything that causes me some negative reaction must be possesses too extreme but also to to deny that some things also may have some supernatural or preternatural um, attachment to them is also what the church would hold in these in these particular cases because we also hold the other end in a, in a more robust way that other things also possess grace yeah the life of god within them yeah okay so i have before we get into like what is an exorcism and what is what does that process look like yeah. i have a couple questions just to kind of clarify some things so first we've mentioned that there are these four markers that we'll see of like evidence that someone is has been possessed or taken over or be, is being influenced by the demonic right? right the strength the speaking in languages they don't know knowing things um that they shouldn't know um what are some other ways, some less explicit ways that the demons try to operate in our lives? Like, because they're not always going to come out and possess people. Sure. In fact, that's statistically probably rather rare in terms of like all the souls in the world, but yes. they are constantly active in our mm-hmm. lives and trying to yeah. derail us from our relationship with God. So could you talk about that? Like, Some how- exorcists actually believe that Satan assigns people a guardian demon. You know, as mm. God has given us guardian angels, again, the whole counterfeit thing, yeah. that he actually sends a demon after every person or demons. And I guarantee you, if you're a priest, as soon as you're ordained a priest, there's a big target on your back because Satan can read scripture that says, you know, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And mm. so priests especially are in great danger. And uh, and I think that's why often many theologians and extras believe that priests are given more than one angel protector for that very reason. So pray for us, please. Yeah, because so many other souls depend upon our operating well. The first and most common way that the devil attacks us is through temptation. We've all experienced that a million times, and whatever the temptation is, um, and, you know, we always say evil comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil historically, right? And so the flesh with concupiscence, right? Why do we want to hit that, that alarm snooze button, right? Or eat that second brownie when we know we don't need it, okay? That's just normal concupiscence or the twisted in yeah. in us by original sin. So temptation is the first way, and, he, and the devil's constantly doing that through his demons. The second is what we call um, um, obsession. And uh, obsession is something, especially in the mind, where, you know, demons kind of attack and they especially are constantly trying to, for example, there's like an obsession with pornography, an addiction to pornography as well. But you also find demons that are kind of pornography specialists. You know, this is exactly what they do. So they attack that person to try to keep tempt- tempting them. Uh, now, uh, so obsession is something where a person keeps thinking a certain thing that's a lie. Okay? Right. So you can see how this in the normal way of fighting the spiritual life this would be present anyway, yeah. believing lies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Psychologically. But there's a spiritual part of that too. A devil or an angel can only attack a person. When you look at the four gifts, memory, intellect, free will, and imagination, a demon can only attack your your memory and your imagination. Hmm. He cannot attack your intellect or your free will. That's super right. important. Yeah. Yeah, it's very important. So just to give you an example, a typical sin of lust, okay? So you right. see a, a very pretty girl, a very handsome man, and, um, or let's just say you're lonely, you're feeling sad, you didn't have a good day. And then that de- demon comes in and presses the sin of memory. And let's say you remember a person, a woman, or if you're a woman, a man who used to date. 
many years ago that you found very attractive, okay? Yeah. So that memory. And then he presses the button of imagination, and then the lustful thought goes in that way, mm. unless it's stopped. Or a, a sin against um, someone mistreated you, someone hurt you. So you go back in memory, he presses that button, you remember what that person did or said to you or your loved one, you feel anger, you feel pain, that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to lose your temper. God wants you to use your temper. And then he presses imagination. This is what I'm going to say to them the next time I see them. This is what I'm going to do. Revenge, hatred, exactly what the devil wants to do. Now, so we have to be very careful. God wants us to live in the present. He wants us to glance at the future, right? right? And paradise. And then he wants us to live in the present moment. That's where God has found. Why do we start daydreaming? Because the present sometimes is not, comfortable hmm. and so we try to go to a fantasy world we've talked a lot about that here recently of the like, present moment yeah. yeah like living in the present like you know a lot of people in uh we recently had an episode on like psychedelics and drug use and it's like sure. one of the negative things that we see with it is like uh, a denial of the present suffering right. kind of an avoidance of exactly. it whereas we would say actually god is present in the moment even if they're suffering right don't want um, to escape so, yeah so. so then the other two would be um, oppression Right. So I said the first one is temptation. The second one is obsession, which is in thoughts, right? The third is oppression, which is kind of like Job, where all kind of terrible physical things start happening to this person, like way beyond reasonable, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Like every illness to them, to their family, the, their house gets lightning and burns down, you know, their dog gets hit by a car. I mean, everything happens, and, and it's just way beyond. And then the final, of course, and the most serious is always going to be is going to be possession. And that's when the person now, because of use, almost always because of some wound when they were younger, that that demon has now gained the right to literally control their body. But not Mm. all the time. Right. And that's, I think, a, a, a big, a lot of people get very confused. I think that if a person's possessed, they're possessed all the time, that the demon is always there inside of them. But it's not like, remember, demons are not anywhere. They're pure spirits. They're not subject to space and time. Mm. So we can't technically say an angel is here or there. Mm. What that angel has gained the right to come and operate there, usually because of a wound. So again, if you get cut, your your arm gets cut, right? There's a wound. Now germs can get there and can cause you to become sick. So what does the doctor do? He he puts uh, medicine in the wound to kill the germs. If the germs want to come, they're going to suffer. And then he closes the wound. In a similar way, when we have an emotional or spiritual wound, death of a parent as a child, physical or sexual abuse, mm. car crash, something terrible that you witnessed or experienced, oftentimes the wound in the soul. And that is how the demon gains access. Again, with God's permission, which is why mm. it is rare. Right. And people next question will say, well, huh. why does God give permission? Well, why does God allow a car wreck? Why does God allow someone to get a, get a uh, um, uh, cancer? Sexually abused. Whatever the evil is, right. physical evil or moral evil, God allows them in order to bring a greater good. And that's the thing to remember. The devil has already lost. Christ has risen. His time is short, so he's, 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 you know, he's prowling. And, uh, but he loses. And so... What God does is he sometimes allows, as I said, I I love sanctifying grace more because I'm an exorcist. God has allowed that. And oftentimes, always, when God allows 
uh, possession or any of the others is to make the person holy, to bring them well, to a greater holiness. Bring them back well, to God. There's, you know, there's an interesting, there's a situation that comes back to mind um, of a friend's uh, cousin who uh, was experiencing or manifesting uh, possession, obsession, all of these things in that order, and ultimately... The, uh, through dialogue with for several years with priests and psychologists in the sorts, um, the conclusion was she is in fact possessed, right? And so we can talk about the process of like the formal process of how we come to a possession. Yeah. But um, but I remember uh, the the it sounds almost cliche to say, but like the the priest's um, suggestion was, hey, you need to start going back to church again. Like it sounds to us like okay, it's just a priest. Of course, he's going to say that he's a priest. You know? Right, right. It's like, we would expect the priest to say. exactly, but it's like um, the church is you know the priest is like no, like what you don't what you fail to understand is that like grace is is real, and that like by re like instituting living out a moral life because at the time this 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 cousin of my friends was not living a good life. You know, she was she was she was living a kind of a promiscuous life, a party lifestyle. But then she would have these night terrors, and then all the kinds of things would happen. And then it's like, well, you need to start kind of re immersing yourself in the church's sacraments and all this mm-hmm. stuff, because then you're enveloped kind of in, in a safeguard, but also you're enveloped more in a life, in the capacity to know and love God more. Sure. And that's, that's what, you know, that's what so like. People want the extraordinary. So they come to the exorcism. They want great. the rite of exorcism and father say your hocus pocus and the, and the sign of the cross and throw the demon out. But they don't want the ordinary means to become saints. And the ordinary means are wow. prayer and the sacraments and serving your neighbor and going to confession. And if you're not married in the church, getting your married, getting your marriage validated, mm. whatever it is that you're not living, there's no secret here. In fact, the sacraments are thousands of times more powerful than a sacramental of exorcism. Now, mm. exorcism is very important for a person possessed. Mm-hmm. When they need it, they need it. Mm-hmm. And nothing else really can kind of yeah. do that for them. Yeah. But, uh, but they, there's this idea that that exorcism is more powerful, not even close. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you ever go to the fair or to the circus uh, or you know you, there's a ride and and there's a little wooden man in front of the Ferris wheel, and it says, "You must be at least this tall to get on this ride." Now what are they saying? Is otherwise you're going to get hurt. You're not mm. ready for this ride. And sometimes people will come to me and say, "Father, I need you to do an exorcism. I'm possessed." And I'll say to them, tell me about your spiritual life. Are you going to Mass? Are you saying your prayers? Are you praying your beads? Are you going to confession? No, no, no. I don't want all that, Father. I said, well, then I can't help you. Jesus is all I have to give. (laughs) The name of Jesus is the only thing that can throw out a demon. And if you're not willing, you're not ready for this ride. Because if, if if, if it is a successful liberation, seven worse will come back, Jesus said. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, I have um, yeah, just a comment to make based on all, everything you just said, Father. Thank you. I mean, this is awesome. Thank you for sharing all this. But you mentioned that, um, you know, human beings, we have the four faculties, intellect, will, memory, and imagination. Right. And God grants the demons access to our, to somehow suggest things to or manipulate in some way, not our intellect or will. So they can't mm-hmm. affect our freedom. Right. But they can affect our memory and imagination. Imagination, right? That's directly. Now, indirectly, they can affect our intellect by confusing, by confusing us, right? Yeah, by lying. And for anyone who is out there thinking, like, okay, how could that be possible for it for a demon to do that? Well, I was thinking to myself, like, 
I'm a human being and I can affect your memory and I can affect your imagination. I can remind you of things Mm -hmm. and I can suggest images to you. Deceive. And I can deceive deceive you. And if I'm capable of doing that as a mere human being, how much more could an angelic being preternatural? Yeah. With, with these, with these supernatural qualities, um, kind of influence us like that. So that's, that's good to know, but it's also good to know that they, they don't have the capacity to take away our freedom. No. Right? And for yeah. thousands of, I mean, 2000 years, you know, the rite of exorcism has existed in the Catholic church, but it got to be, you know, kind of, I think a lot of people, especially in the seventies after the second Vatican council, all that superstition, it's making the world yeah. think we're crazy mm. that we're still back in the dark ages. And, and to be honest with you, oftentimes exorcism was practiced, a guy would, or a gal or a guy would come and say, I think I might be possessed. And they would just pull out the rite of exorcism and they would start praying it in Latin to see if, and to see right? if we got, and to see if there was a manifestation. And if there wasn't, you're not possessed, you know, in other words, to use the right as a diagnostic, mm. but that does contribute to this idea that this is superstitious. Uh, and so today, yeah, and especially since the second Vatican council, there's been a real, a real resurgence of the how essential exorcists are, yeah. that we need them in every diocese, and but the but the way now it's an exorcism team, okay, and it's you know four five six people that are very prayerful that have been trained men right. and women. We would never be alone with a woman, right? Right, uh, and uh, and that there's diagnostic. They have to have a psychological exam. They have right. to have a physical okay. exam. Yeah, I was going to ask about this process. We make sure, and there's a, there's a long intake form. Yeah. We talk to their pastor. They don't. When a person first says, "Oh, something's not right," let me call the exorcist. That's not that's not the protocol. Okay. You first okay. go to your local priest. Yeah. And he takes some holy water and he prays a little prayer over you of exorcism uh, that any priest can pray. Yeah. Just a little one, though, right? It's Just not, a little one, okay. and Thanks a little holy God. water, and, right. and maybe gives you a sacrament if you're, you know, seriously yeah. ill. And and then he kind of says, "Does this need to go further?" And then the next step would you generally every diocese has their own protocol, but typically they go to the vicar general, and the vicar general would then read all the information. You say, "Okay, they need a psychological exam. They need an intake, you know, form. They need this and that." And that's, and, Father, that's kind of to, to rule out any possible, like, natural explanation for what's correct. going on, right? Yeah. And typically, it's not either or, it's both and. Okay. Most, that's important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most people that have, uh, especially obsessions, have a tendency to, for example, something like OCD. Mm-hmm. Already, they're very bright. Their mind races. Okay. Well, the devil can see that. His demons can see that. So what did they do? Press the button. Press the button. And all night long, the person is tormented. By some thought, maybe whether it's porno- porno- pornography or violence or just some some lie, mm-hmm. they can't stop thinking. Oftentimes, it's about their own self worth that they're not mm-hmm. really a, a beloved son or daughter of God, yeah. and then they're just it's horrible. Yeah, so, so fa- cruel. So, Father, uh, before we continue, just for the for our listeners too, and even for ourselves, there, like just because you sometimes struggle with, you know, uh, like lack of confidence or because you have had experiences in your life that caused you to kind of dwell in sorrow or be sad or grief doesn't necessarily mean you're possessed or that you're not. on the way to possession. Right. right. So to make a distinction, they're just to like, you know, just because you have these in a certain way, like a natural, uh, emotions, uh, you know, arise or, or psychological disposition doesn't necessarily mean the next step is now possession. But what father is, I think trying to say is that some of these things can, develop and in the the evaluation of a person 
you know, coming out and saying, hey, I think I might be possessed, that's taken into account. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. In the step. Towards, and a person who's really yeah. suffering, let's say that they do have a severe, some kind of a mental or emotional right. um, distress, okay? Uh, whether it's, you know, depression, anxiety, OCD, or something like that. Um, there's this hope in them. You can see it in their eyes. Father, I've come to you. Do the rite of exorcism, throw out the demon, and I'll be well. And I have to explain to them, you won't be well. You still have a mental illness. It has to be treated by your doctor, by your psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, This is going to help a lot Mm -hmm. from the spiritual standpoint. This is going to put Satan at bay from tormenting you. But that doesn't mean—I'm not saying God can't heal through the right. He does sometimes. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, that's not the way he operates. Right. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that— this is all very helpful. Yeah. So now, like in terms of the exorcism itself, because there's a lot of probably false ideas of what, about what an exorcism looks like from portrayals in Hollywood films and stuff like that. So sure. what actually takes place? You've mentioned the rite. There's a ritual of some right. kind. There's prayers that are said. Is that right. is that pretty much it? Yeah. First of all, any every priest through their ordination has the power of exorcism. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. one of the, right? But every priest doesn't have the authority. You have to have the explicit permission of your bishop and you should have training uh, because it can be very dangerous mm. and so you know that's once again if you go in and think oh yeah i'm super exorcist and uh you know every demon's afraid of me sure. uh so like you, this thing you can get doesn't, hurt doesn't just go in there you no. just think doesn't just give you the power all of a sudden so we right. always start our exorcisms by every member of the team uh, goes to confession we have yeah. holy hour we celebrate mass we enthrone the blessed sacrament on the altar we have the statue of our blessed mother we worship the, the triune God. We recognize he's everything and we're nothing. We, we give our first attention to God. We give our second attention to the child of God, the energumen, the person who's says or possessed. And we give our third attention to the demon. Our job is to care for this child of God mm. who right now is in need. And so basically the right has just been, um, you know, has just recently been uh, renewed in the in the church, and you can say it in in English. You can say it in Latin. Historically, it was always in Latin. Why was that helpful? Well, or is it helpful for those that still do it in Latin? It can be because if you say uh, uh, or ask a question in Latin, and the person answers in perfect Latin, and they've never studied Latin, that's a pretty good indication <laughs> yeah. there might be something demonic. So there's a, yeah. so there's a practical benefit. There's a practical benefit, and it is the official language of the church. Okay. And um, exorcists, most exorcists will say that they do find that doing at least part of it in Latin is very helpful, but okay. it's more powerful. Yes. Um, basically, it's it's the blessing of, of water yeah. and the blessing of exercised salt, special mixing those together. Sprinkling the energumen. The energumen is the word for the person possessed. Okay. I invite them, encourage them to drink some of it. Uh, often they won't. And um, we uh, then we do the litany of the saints, and we do renewal of baptismal promises, and then there's lots of prayers moving from prayers of kind of supplication to God to the the mandate prayers. You know, you always see on on television, you know, the exorcist holds the crucifix. And absolutely, this is part of it. You know, at the end, you know, in the name of Jesus, I command you to depart. And, of course, the demon, you're nothing. You're you're right. I'm nothing. I'm the biggest sinner in the diocese. That's why they called me to be this job, have this job. (laughs) Okay. You see what I mean? You've just got to accept that. And because they often will, during a manifestation, the demons will, I know your sins. I'm going to tell everybody your sins. Go ahead. Tell them all. It's true. I'm the biggest sinner. 
You know, you just have to be ready for that. Now, wow. truth is, they almost they always threaten, but they almost never do. Mm-hmm. Some exorcists say, answer the question, you know, can demons, you know, in during a manifestation say the exorcist sins? And the answer is usually only those that are not confessed. Mm. So we always go to confession. That's why you go to confession. We're always put straight. before and confess oh all our gosh. sins. And um, and every person. Now, the energumen never goes to confession to the exorcist. Oh, really? Okay. The well, exorcist says, I am not your, I'm not your friend. I'm not your priest. I'm not your spirit oh. director. I'm your exorcist. That's why he, that person also has to go to a pastor first. Exactly. Right? It has to be a, okay. And before wow. they come, they must go to confession if they're able. Sure. Some are just, they're not able because of the control, you yeah. know. And then these prayers continue, and um, we do the again the prayers of supplication first in the name of in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you throw these demons out, et cetera, et cetera. And then it gets more and more to mm-hmm. the the mandatum. Mm-hmm. I command you to stop tormenting this child of God in the name of Jesus. Always, everything, in the name of Jesus. The humility of the exorcist is what throws out the demon. Why? Because as the exorcist goes down. Jesus comes up, and this is why he's terrified. The devil is terrified of Mary. She's so humble. He's absolutely terrified of her because of her pure heart and humility. So you said as, as this exorcist goes down, you said you, as a demon as, goes. No, as I'm, I'm just referring to as a, in humility. Oh, I see what when you a, mean. In okay, humility, any person, right, they push right, themselves right. down so that God can fill them. What you mean. Okay. It's all, yeah. And so you just have to really just be so completely convinced that Jesus is everything. Mm. And... You're conscious of the danger, yeah. and that, and they're going to play games. They can see fear on your face. And I have to say, I've never been afraid. I've been tense in the sense of I'm recognizing, you know, I have my hand on a nuclear weapon, but I'm also totally convinced that I'm safe because I'm a priest of Jesus Christ mm. and because I'm the designated exorcist. Oh. And, you know, demons, we say they're like lawyers from hell. I mean, they <laughs> know the law of the church. And if you're if you go into another diocese and try to do an exorcism, and there's a real possession, the demon will say you have no authority here. Whoa! And they're right. If you don't have permission of that bishop, because Joe, I told you to stop doing that. Yeah, sorry. So that's why I was telling you this. <laughs> I told you he was going to. That's why we brought him on. Actually, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So okay. So and there's not a liberation every time. I think that's oh, a yeah, big con- yeah. you know confusion. Oh, yeah. oh Father, does does it work every time? Well. What does work mean? You know, is <laughs> right. there a full liberation? By no means. Yeah. I mean, it can take months yeah. of meeting, you know, weekly with the person. And if you're not able to do that, it takes longer. Yeah. But again, it depends on how deeply in, in, involved they are. And Yeah, and I think it's one of the misconceptions with like uh, exorcisms in general or possession. It's like, you know, in Hollywood, they'll portray it like, oh, like, you know, there's this, there's this kind of event going on and then they come into the priest office and then it just takes place. and then One and done. Yeah. Yeah. Just one and done. But it's like, no, in, in general, that's like the, the life of faith. It's not a one and done thing. Mm. It's it's a it's a long process. We expect the temporality. We had this recent talk. We expect the spectacle of life to kind of awe us in that moment. And so we go to Instagram and then we go to YouTube and we're on those platforms ourselves. And so we got to talk about it. Yeah. So like we're like the skepticals. Like we think everything is immediate, but like with a life of faith, with a you know a life enveloped with true meaning and kind of um, you know being. Um, exercise in this sense it's a it can be a long process it's not a one and done thing and a life of a christian life is not a one and done thing um so okay before we transition um kind of into more of the witchcraft conversation i was wondering father and first i was wondering if you could talk about the power of the names of jesus and mary because i think i've heard you mention that before 
And then secondly, if you'd be willing, and if, and if you don't want to share anything, I totally get that too. But some of our listeners might be curious about some maybe, uh, experiences that you've had, um, in things that you've seen in, in your exorcisms. And again, I'm not trying to like make you reveal anything or talk about anything you don't want to only. So feel free to decline that answer. But, um, yeah, Jesus and their names. uh, If you could talk about that. It's constant in the right, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's mentioned, you know, again and again, because in, it was in the name of Jesus that demons were thrown out. You know, the son of God, throws out demons with his little pinky, right? Mm. But he's the son of God. But it's through his power and authority manifested through the power of the priesthood. And that's why, you know, I I remember once, this is long when I was a young priest, just a couple years ordained, I got a call uh, and and a, a lady and she was crying and she said, Father, I need you. We need you. Can you please? And I said, she told me her name and she, I didn't recognize the name as one of our parishioners. And I said, uh, um, are you all members of such and such Catholic church where I was assigned. Oh no, father, we're Baptists. And I said, Baptists. And I thought, why did you call me? And she said, well, oh. don't you priest do that kind of thing? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking not if I can help it, I don't. <laughs> so, but anyway, I invited him in and she come in, she came in with her two like college aged daughters and God bless them. The three women, they just looked terrible. They had not slept for days. And they told me that the last weekend on Saturday night, they had had a party, the girls, and had invited all their friends, and they had decided to play with a Ouija board. And as they began to play with the board, it started to move and spell and things, and uh, they thought it was a lot of fun. And and then the party broke up about midnight, but the problem was, she said, is that the demons did not leave. And we know that now. We can feel their presence. Things are going bump in the night, all kind of things. It's cold in the room, one minute, hot, you know, and all these things in the, the three, mm-hmm. they said, we're all sleeping in the same bed. We're all scared to death. Can you help us? And um, so anyway, I said, well, first of all, I quoted St. Padre Pio who said, you know, the devil is like a great chained dog. He makes a lot of noise, but he only bites those who come too close. Mm-hmm. And this is what's happening in our society. People are being led close in. to the yeah. devil, being lured in by witchcraft and by these movies and by these Satan things, and this is okay. You can go to a satanic mass, a satanic whatever, and you're being lured in, and he will not let you go. And so they were terrified. And so mm. I, so I, I said, you're Christians. They were Baptists. I said, come over to the church with me. The first thing you have to do is you got to repent. you got to tell Jesus you're sorry that you invited the devil into your home. And I'm telling you that they were kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament, and I'm talking about, I've never heard such beautiful prayer in my life. Jesus, we love you. We're so sorry. Please save us. We promise we'll never do. I thought, Jesus has definitely heard this prayer. And (laughs) and so I gave him some holy water. I told him, go home. I want you to rip that Ouija board up, throw it away so no one can ever use it. Sprinkle this holy water throughout your whole house. Call me. Tell me in a few days how you're doing. They called me back and said, Father, thank you so much. The presence has left. We did everything you said. The evil presence is gone. And I promise, Father, we're going to the Baptist church on Sunday. I said, good for you. (laughs) All right. So that's a true story of how people get lured in. Yeah. Yeah. And and that type of uh, of thing. Yeah. I'd like to make a comment about holy water. Because again, people, I mean, people see the Catholic church using holy water in these sacramentals. We walk in, we bless ourselves. It drips all over the floor. You're like, is it really? And it looks, it looks weird. It looks super, it looks, it can look superstitious. Innocuous. Yeah. Yeah. No, no power or whatever. But so 
what is the significance of that? So one time, uh, our father Bernard, our, one of our teachers, yeah. he was talking about, we were talking about baptism and he was like, and, and <clears throat> sacramentals and holy water and that type of thing. And he said, he said, what do you guys think? Is it, is it really true that material things like water can actually have power over spiritual realities? Like, does that, does that, does that really sound yeah. legitimate? And he, and we were like, and we were like, well, yeah, yeah, but we don't necessarily know why. And he was, he was like, the son of God became man. Like the son of God took on flesh. Right. And so now matter actually, mm-hmm. when it's united to God and grace actually does have power over spiritual reality. So this is like, and like in the sacraments, it can, they, they're even like matter actually becomes an instrument of God's grace working in the world. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean the the efficacy of things like holy water things like sacramentals yeah that is directly a consequence of the incarnation of god becoming man of god taking on flesh and now even matter itself is wrapped up into the order of grace and salvation one of the great prayers that i recommend to people to memorize is the um anima christi of oh, saint ignatius loyola and anima christi means yes soul of christ yeah. sanctify me body notice all the little acclamations in the prayer are about the perfect humanity of Christ, his human soul, soul of Christ, sanctify me, body of Christ, save me, blood of Christ, inebriate me. Everything is about his perfect humanity making my being joined to my perfect, my imperfect humanity. Mm. And of course he brings his divinity as well. And but it's his humanity mm. we become saints. And and I and that prayer is very yeah. powerful to remind us of that humanity of Christ. Now is Jesus Christ a human person? No, that's heresy. He's a divine person. <laughs> divine person. With two natures, person. right? Yeah. A human nature and a divine nature. He's yeah. a hum- he is a divine person, but he's a perfect humanity, and that perfect humanity is what saves us. They're pouring out of his blood. And so, yes, water is significant, and yes, yeah. these other things of the church helps us aid us in this this expression of God's life. Yeah. They're 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 beneficial. And so that is awesome. Oh, just one last thing. I've also, you mentioned it earlier, but like just before we move on to this, this topic of witchcraft for a lot of our listeners, they think that, um, you know, to kind of expel the misconception that like the exorcism is like one of the most powerful things the church does. It's like, it's a thing the church does, but actually more powerful than exorcisms are like confession. You said, absolutely right. And thousands of times more powerful. Exactly. And so, so just, Keep that in mind. Whether you're Catholic or not, you know we would we would hold that like something like a confession is much more strong than why because it's a life the life of God being poured out, um, yeah. not not this suit this and artificial. Holy, and the sacrament of holy marriage and the right. sacrament of order and the sacrament so, of Eucharist. Right. So the, so so again we talk about uh, sanctifying grace expressed through the sacramental life of the church. These are much more powerful than any of these things. So should you be doubtful or should you be Again, we encourage our listeners to, or maybe you may have somebody in your life that may be speculating, hey, maybe I'm possessed, hey, maybe I'm whatever. First, we recommend that they go to a church, maybe start praying first, right, Father? Do the ordinary things first. If you've been away from the ordinary things, go back to prayer, go back to confession, read your Bible, that's God's Word, and then go to our Blessed Mother, because the devil, Mm. I always say the safest place spiritually for any human person. You know, you look at a, at a Catholic church, a lot of the uh, traditional Catholic churches built in the maybe 50s and 40s, you know, the tabernacle and the crucifix in the center, they have yeah. a, and they have the Blessed Mother on the left, as you sit in the pew, and St. Joseph's statue on the right. Mm. Why? Pro- notice that, that the Blessed Mother is almost always on the side 
of the open side where the soldier stuck in the spear. Mm -hmm. She's always on that side where the church was born. Now, if the two things the devil is most terrified of is the Blessed Virgin Mary and the five wounds of Christ, the safest place in the world for a person who believes they're being tormented by the devil is to kneel there spiritually beneath the wounded side of Jesus with the Blessed Mother's hand on your shoulder. Mm. No safer place in the world spiritually. Thanks be to God. Yeah, and conversely to that conversation, the worst thing that can happen to a person is not that you're possessed, is not that you're being you know, confronted by the demons, but the worst thing that you can happen to you is mortal sin. Right. Right. Yeah. It's losing that union with God. And that's that's ultimately the devil's game. Like that's what he wants more than anything. That's what he to, wants to bring you to. Yeah. And ironically, and I was fascinated to learn this when I studied at the Pope Leo Thirteenth Institute for the Rite of Exorcism, a person can be in a state of grace and be possessed. I'm like, how can this be? Wow. How can you be filled with the Holy Trinity mm. and yet the devil? And the answer is because the Holy Trinity fills the soul. The devil only can possess the body. Fascinating. The kapax dei, the human soul, can only be filled by God. It's mm. infinite. But God allows the devil to come there at certain times and to possess the body. But again, for the person's yeah. salvation, for the exorcist sal holiness and salvation, and for the whole team. Okay, so we've talked about exorcism, we've covered mm -hmm. some of the elements, and we hope that uh, that conversation, at least to some extent, was satisfying. We really hope it is. And we didn't cover every facet. It satisfied so, me. I'm, I'm yeah, satisfied. me too. Yeah. Yeah, now I want to get exercised. We know what's going on here. <laughs> you know, but, um, but we also want to talk about witchcraft. And so yeah. we've dedicated a large portion of this episode to exorcism. But witchcraft is also making kind of a a big time move with like horoscopes with like, you know, this, uh, and I use Tom Brady's wife as an example. So Tom Brady, if you're listening to us, mm -hmm. I'm saying, I hate your wife or I hate you. I think you're, you're a great football player. I kind of, you know, you're leaving, you're retiring again. I don't know what's up with that, but whatever. But I will say this idea of witchcraft in general is kind of a popular, popular thing. Play with tarot cards, play, you know, uh, Ouija boards would be kind of an example yeah. of this, or like going to some spiritual healer or the sorts. So, um, We've already kind of talked about why we, you know, maybe people are fascinated by these demonic witchcraft exorcisms because it's mysterious in one sense. It's like, we're curious. We want to know. Mm -hmm. That's kind of crazy. That's a little outlandish. And it is actually literally. But yeah. it's like, you know, but but at the same time, like, you know, sh should we just, like you said, take take these things lightly? Are these just another thing? Are they just, is this just another game? Are these just another cardboard boxes or, or, or you know, colorful plastics that we're just playing around with here? Um you know. We have to be very careful because yeah. of our desire to know the the, the preternatural, the supernatural. Yeah. People have an unhealthy attraction. If you just mention exorcism in a conversation, and especially if they know I'm an exorcist, every eye turns straight to me. Questions, questions, questions. Which is why we brought him on here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why are you so interested in that? Why are you not so more interested in God and your eternal life? And I think sometimes it's like, well, Father, we tried that. or We were raised in the Catholic Church, and it didn't seem to do it. I mean, we still had suffering, and I still was unsatisfied. And I said, don't give up. God works slowly, a thousand years a single day, right? Stay mm. in there. But a lot of times people have an unhealthy uh, attraction yeah. because they're, what they're basically saying is, is this preternatural real? Yes. Your intuition is right, but mm. you're going in the wrong direction. Mm. And I think what can be, um, what can be very scary you know, again, with this whole thing with witches and 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 this this moving toward things that are darker and darker, mm -hmm. is that uh, you know 
the human person has almost an infinite capacity for self-deception. We can be very, we can self-deceive and we can be deceived very easily. And that's why the church is here to guide us. She's our mother, right? Right. Our mother knows Mm -hmm. and protects us and what's best. Now, we have do we have holy days in the Catholic Church? Days that are, of course we do. What are they? Yeah. Easter, Christmas, day, yeah. Immaculate Conception, days where we honor certain saints. Yeah. Well, the big copycat counterfeit devil, it does the same thing. He has his, quote, holy days. And, of course, Halloween, uh, all before All Saints Day, All Souls Day, is one of those big times in, in the satanic calendar. Yes, there's a satanic calendar. Uh, that Satanists have. And, um, you know, things like January the 1st, February the 2nd, March the 3rd, 1, 1, 2, 2, 3, 3. Those would be days to watch out for as well. There's a a number of of days that the devil's going to be more active. Hmm. And Halloween is a very dangerous time because people like to dress up and make fun of the whole idea, make fun of what you're afraid of, death, right? Hmm. But it's become very, very unhealthy. Yeah, and so and so it's we would the say, worship of death, right? And so I guess that's that's the distinction here. It's like, well, Halloween itself isn't evil, and you're not going to hell just because you're out there trick or treating with your kids. But what, right. we would, what we would caution against, Father, would be that the obsession with this thing, or like the idea that this is just, yeah, like what, I guess what would be the the real kind of distinguishing factor between Halloween as being celebrated with, yes. you know, just hanging out and Halloween, all Hallows Eve means the day before All Saints Day, and yeah, one of the understanding of the traditions was that that people in poor countries the children would go from door to door and especially those who had lost a loved one in the past year and they would say to them we promise that we'll pray the rosary or we'll go to mass for your loved one who died if you'll give us something and so this is one of the origins of trick-or-treating is that they would actually pray for they would get a few coins or candies or whatever and then they would go light a candle at the church for that person who died and so um, this is really taking something holy and beautiful, which is the uh, communion of saints, praying for the dead, right? Yeah. Uh, and um, and then this, I'll just give you one illustration. Uh, again, another story of, again, just as a, before I was an exorcist, but a parish, a man that called and said, Father, I'm Catholic. I really need your help. There's something in my house. So anyway, we drove over there and all the windows were, shades were down. It was pitch black, dark in this little house. And he was um, disabled and he'd been disabled for a long time. And um, he said, Father, pictures are falling off the wall in the night, and I'm, I'm seeing shadows, and there's evil here. I need your help. And so I kind of, he was a very gentle little man and just kind as he could be, and he mm-hmm. was disabled. He couldn't go to Mass. Mm-hmm. He wanted to, but he couldn't. And, um, and I said, well, what do you do all day? And he kind of smiled. He said, well, Father, I love horror movies. Mm. And he said, I love to watch these horror movies. They make me, and he said, you know, and I said, like, when you say horror movies, do you mean like the Adams family or do you mean like Halloween? And he said, oh, Halloween. He said, I love. And I said, oh, I said, how many of these horror movies do you watch? And he said, oh, probably about four or five a day. I said, four or five a day. (laughs) And he said, oh, Father, I really like them. And I said, you're watching and worshiping death. You're, the human person is not meant to see a head chopped off and blood pouring out. And you're looking at that five hours a day and you're wondering why things go bump in the night? Yeah. yeah. And so we prayed. He went to confession, gave him Holy Communion. We opened the window shades. Mm. 
We sprinkled holy water. I said, now, do you promise me that you'll do your best to give up these scary movies? And he kind of, you could see he was really struggling, you know, and he said, Father, how about if I knock it down to one a day? I said, I'll take what I can get. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So that's how I left it, you know. But the point is, you worship, you look at, you're worshiping darkness and death. The human person is made for life and light and love. The three L's, life, infinite life, light and love. What is the opposite of that? Death, darkness, and hate. Do you think that will make you happy? That's what witchcraft, that's what the demonic pushes you to. Darkness, death, and hate. Yeah, that's all fascinating and very helpful. Um, I'm curious. We mentioned, you mentioned the Ouija board as something that can be kind of a gateway into trouble, right? Are there, are there anything, any other things in particular that you've seen over the years that people kind of think that they can get into lightheartedly, but end up actually becoming really problematic, like things that you would want to caution our listeners against? Sure. The things we've already talked about, anything that has to do with divination, like um, tarot cards, going to a palm reader, you think, well, this is just at the fair, it's for fun, but it's dangerous. I know that people read their horoscope and laugh and move on with their day, and that's one thing. But when a person looks at their horoscope in the paper and literally will not do anything Based upon that, that's divination. That's trying to know the future by powers. The devil does not know the future. Only God sees all things present tense. Only God knows what we call future. And so anything that has to do with a divination, and this is why it's forbidden by the church, divination, um, fortune telling, all those kinds of things are very, very dangerous. Any type of witchcraft, going to any type of a spiritual medium that always I have a number of cases of exorcism that were begun by people going to spiritual mediums, and um, and those are demons. And they start out keeping it very pleasant, and they teach them things that or show them things they didn't know that quote delight them, and they get them hooked, and then they can't get unhooked. Mm. And so we have to be very careful. And Halloween is becoming so dark, you know, good Halloween dressing up like little a little goblin or a little little ghost or whatever, and trick or treating, you know. We did that when we were children. It was all good. And, um, Joey had a costume on yeah. yesterday. Right, Joey? I saw that. You, you didn't think about it. But I think we have to be very careful with this, the blood and, and gore and, um, you know, Santa Muerte, this worshiping of, quote, holy death is, is a cult, a demonic cult. Yeah. And um, we're made for life. And we're made for life right. and light and love. That's exactly right. I did tell you one thing. One, I guess you asked for like a story yeah, or. Yeah, whatever you're willing to um, disclose. But like, I think, you know, I first trained with another exorcist um, and went to a number of his cases. I was the assisting. And um, in an exorcism, only the exorcist speaks to the energumen. Even if the demon, the energumen, the possessed person, the demon speaks through them at you, you don't respond. Because they're going to try to play the two exorcists against each other. They're very clever. Mm. And so only the exorcist speaks to the demon. The other priest simply prays. And all the other people pray. And so, but at one point, I mean, like, as soon as, like, the first manifestation that I ever saw uh, is that we were just saying these beautiful prayers. And this little lady was, you know, very gently strapped in by, with her permission, her written permission, uh, two women on each side of her, holding holding her arms, praying. And, um, and then we're just saying these very gentle prayers. And all of a sudden, the woman's head just 
pops back. You just hear a pop back. The eyes roll back, and this just growl, this horrible growl, and every hair on the back of my neck just stood straight up. And, um, and then just screaming, cursing, though. You know, we'll often command the demon, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop blaspheming in the, in, in the presence of this holy place. And most of the time, they obey. Really? When you command in the name of Jesus, most of the time, they'll obey. Even the, the fighting, I'll yeah. say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop struggling. And they will for a while. Um, they, they can't say no, you know. Um, but at one point during the exorcism, it went on for hours. At one point, the for demon— hours? But three hours at one point, the demon just turned his the person turned her head, but there was a demon, of course, looked straight at me, and I've never seen so much evil in someone's eyes. I mean, it was absolutely clear that if it could, it would kill me right then and bring me to hell. That's exactly it. And it and priest that's what it would say. It doesn't say never call you father, never, it's always priest. I hate you, priest, I hate you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, accusation. I know what you did. I know your sins. I'm going to tell everybody, you know. And again, didn't even look up. Just continued to pray my rosary. Absolutely ignore him. I'm not playing your game. And um, hmm. so uh, just seeing that for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I was never afraid. Yeah. I was cautious. Yeah. Amazed, knew, amazed even. I was right? amazed, but yeah. I knew... I'm a priest of Jesus Christ, right. and this is the power God has given to me, uh, and this is why no one else, nobody else should ever try to do an exorcism unless you're a priest. Right. And, you know, if, if you're trained, yeah, you be very careful. You know, and Father, if, if you will kind of to, to wrap up the, uh, the episode here. So we've talked about— um, Exorcism's been pretty dense conversation, talking yeah. about exorcisms, demons, uh, you know, and talked somewhat about witchcraft and kind of how that all connects into the, the dark realm of popular culture as well as, you know, profound. And, and it's, I think like another thing too, is like, it's deeply connected to man's existence to, to, to kind of have these, um, yeah, these, these spiritual things are real and they're like, they're not just something that kind of, or we're just kind of hanging out, you know, like we, yeah, we we're believe in battle, so we're in right? a battle here, in a battle. but but we, so we've talked a lot about that, and I, I guess as we wrap up, like I said, um, why don't you like uh, maybe talk a little bit about the message of hope? You know, just briefly, like obviously, as you, as you kind of ended, it's like we these things exist. So if there's a demonic power, there's dark powers. Okay, they exist. Fair, but like the power of our Lord is much greater, and that like death is not it, right? It no longer has its victory. Jesus right. Christ has a victory, and so and I think and I and I want to end that on that note because I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's the yeah. way that um, our Lord would. <laughs> Sometimes, um, you know, we we become so involved in fighting evil, you know, like, kind of like I'll call them bad news junkies, people who are <laughs> constantly looking at the news and yeah. and then they become depressed. Well, I wonder why. Good news doesn't make the news, but you mm. know, I say bad, you know, dog. Dog bites man doesn't make the news. Man bites dog. That makes the news, right? <laughs> All right. So, so in other words, um, we, we oftentimes in the trenches fighting evil, but the, this is very possession is very rare. And people say, "Well, Father, what you've said is making me nervous." Well, it doesn't need to make you nervous if you go to mass and if you pray and if you go to confession and if you uh, uh, read your Bible and you turn on the light and you have beautiful images of Jesus and Mary in your home and you serve because the Christian life is designed by God 
This is your destiny. God allows this like as a photographic counterfeit, like a like a dark, you know, the what do they call it? The, um, the negative. The negative of the photo to show us the positive. No, well. And a lot of times what I'll say to um, people is five sentences, I want you to tell me the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I, I want them, you know, and I'll, I'll encourage, you know, my spiritual directors, do this every night before you go to sleep. Five sentences. Well, God loves me so much he sent his son Jesus to die for me. Good. Number two, he forgives me every time I ask, even if it's a million times. Good. Number three. He gave himself to me in the Eucharist so that I could be one with me forever. Good. And before he's going to come again in glory and he's going to raise my dead body and glorify it forever. Number five, um, I'm going to be living in heaven for all eternity with a happiness that I cannot imagine. Wonderful. Go to sleep with the good news. Mm-hmm. Tell yourself the good news mm-hmm. because the good news infinitely supersedes any bad news the world can And ultimately, bring. God promised us that. Like, that's why it's credible. Like, if you're wondering like, why, like, Father's, Father's not just saying that. Joey and I haven't just been talking about, you know, on Logos, like, you know, our Lord came to save us. Our Lord, you know, we don't just say that just because, like, whatever. Like, it's, like, God himself made it credible. Like, God's word is expressed continually in the life. And on a very kind of, kind of psychological, if you were, natural level, like, Negative things aren't the only things that exist. We've said this before. We don't live in an only Darwinistic, neo-Darwinistic mm-hmm. worldview or only Freudian view of the world or only Nietzschean or nihilistic. We live in in, in, in a reality that um, that is impressed and created by God. And, and, and as such, the goodness reigns. Mm-hmm. And even though our sensibility to darkness and evil oftentimes is, is at the primary, is at the forefront, what uh, what is is the reigning power is goodness and God's life and hope and and grace um, and so so Father thank you for everything Joey do you have anything Yeah I just want to thank you words? Father one of the reasons I mean in particular our listeners might not realize this but you know there are, I know that there are plenty of exorcists who um, are not even comfortable making it known to the public that they're exorcists because you have a target on your back in a particular way doing this kind of work. I mean, the demons do not like that. So um, I really like am thankful for the sake of our listeners, for the sake of us, for you having the courage to, you know, and, and confidence in God really to take your time and come and, and be with us. And I would encourage our listeners to pray for father Brett, please in his ministry yes. and in his, um, I'd say there's, there's no law or rule that an exorcist can't be known. The main reason it's kept secret is just to keep, every single person in the world from calling him nonstop. Sure. Yeah. And, th- and we want us to follow the p- correct protocol because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, of the different levels. And, and in line with that, and in lieu of that, should there be any other things, should there be, you know, again, uh, you think yourself to be possessed or you know somebody else or whatever the case may be, or you yourself are practicing this stuff. First of all, if you're practicing any of this stuff, like especially with witchcraft or, 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 or even obsessions with like scary movies or whatever, like mm-hmm. stop, like stop. Okay. Yeah. But that aside. And um, if, you, if you need help, what I would yeah. say to our listeners is, if you need help, ask for it. Mm. If you're just struggling and you just feel there's some evil, go to your priest and yeah. ask him to just to pray over right. you and bless you with holy water. He's a priest. He has the power of exorcism. And that may be all you need. That may help immensely. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And same thing, like even if you're not Catholic, if you're a non-Catholic listener, visit a priest. Go to a church. Just say, hey, there's just stuff going on. There may or may not be a process. You more than likely are not possessed. There's more more often than not natural explanations for this thing. Um, but at the same time, uh, as listeners of our platform, um, you know, email us and and then we, you know we'll try to kind of point you in the right direction. Um, you know, and yeah. and uh, and yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Joey. You did an okay job, man. 
Thanks. I, right. I do my best. You know, I'm working hard. Hey, dude, we're out here. Hey, y'all. Pray for Joey, too. He's about to head out here shortly to another state. Yeah, I'm making a trip to go to a wedding. So pray for safe travels. Pray for safe travels. Yeah. Guys, thank you for tuning into this episode of Logos Podcast. We talked about a lot. Um, happy All Souls Day. Happy All Saints Day. Yeah. Um, as it's coming up amongst us. Enjoy. Um, guys, thank you for tuning into the Logos Podcast. We hope you enjoyed something. If not, as I always say, you can blame Joey. And this time I even blame myself, but not Father Brett. He is innocent. All right, guys. Thank pray you. For him, pray for my golf clubs. Yeah, please. <laughs> All right, guys. As always, God bless.